well, I was going to start talking about fallopian tubes. My name is Matthew Kroll. And we're both doing a good job. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the 24th MCU film, Black Widow. Black Widow. And I will say this is false advertising because there are no spiders in this movie, which did disappoint me a little bit. Sure. And we will get into a conversation about the ordering system of the MCU at some point. But this, Matt was the first MCU movie we've done since uh, Infinite, uh, Endgame? Is that uh, correct? No, because we did Far From Home, I believe. Was Far From Home after Endgame? It was because Iron oh, man, man was dead. Spoilers! Oh man, I don't even uh, see. I, I don't even remember that. Um, yeah. It all seems like a distant memory to me. Although <laughs> I will say, a friend of mine reached out, and this has happened a couple of times recently, where friends of mine have reached out and said, "I went to see a movie, and I decided to listen to your podcast afterwards." And I was like, "That's really nice." They didn't say whether they enjoyed the podcast sure. or whether it was. They just wanted to let me know that they'd heard it. Maybe as a warning, perhaps as a sign of things to come, or as an end of our friendship. I don't know. Uh, but wow. if you'd like to reach out and uh, uh, say that you listened to an episode, you could do so by writing us in at OnlyMoviePodcast at gmail.com or hitting us up on Twitter at OnlyMoviePod. Yes, and do it. Please do it. This is both Shahir and I asking for you to talk to us because we're lonely and we're sick of each other. We, we need are. you. We need uh, you, fair listener. <laughs> I will say Turstman, our favorite uh, Topam historian, is doing... Another thing, and I'm not sure why he's doing it, but I'm I'm here for it and I support it 100%. He is reviewing every episode of the podcast, yet again, on his Twitter feed, at uh, Terceman0214 uh, on Twitter, which uh, you can uh, hear, read such delights as, uh, oh, well, let me find. Actually, there's a lot of, there's a, I will say, I, I did skim through this. There's a lot of um, agreeing with you. So in episode four, Entourage, I agreed with Matt on almost all points, and I almost feel that Shahir was overly harsh on this film. I may be off on that. I've never seen it, nor do I have any interest in seeing this film. <laughs> episode oh, five. Yeah. Now, there's a solid seven out of ten, by the way. Episode five, Jurassic World. The talk of the film's impact is vastly more interesting than the talk of the film itself. Pretty much agreed with Matt on all points. I did see this film in theaters and enjoyed it at the time, though it has soured on rewatches, which I think was my point, perhaps. But, you know, well, if, if you if you agreed with Matt, you agreed with me. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, that's very fun. Well, thank you, Terrence, man. Uh, I, I, I will go back through the archives of, of his archives and I will look at the archived archives. And we'll we'll make some some fun some fun judgment calls on past us. Man, there are so many episodes. It's three hundred and thirty-two episodes now. Is this uh, three hundred and thirty-two? This is three hundred and thirty-two. There we go. So uh, that's a lot of content where we say a lot of things, most of which is inaccurate. So there's I, well, that. is really? <laughs> yeah. Are we why that not? off? Why not? Yeah, we're off all the time. Who cares? Well, it's a good thing we're the only one, because mm-hmm. otherwise other people would show us up. Exactly. So speaking of showing up. Yeah. Did you show up to the movies for this particular screening? You know, I would have, and I planned on it. In fact, in in the in the narrative of my own life, right. this was the movie that I was going to go back to theaters for. But you'd already been back to two movies prior. I know. <laughs> but in my like during the during the pandemic, I was like, you know, they're gonna hold it. This is you know, I'll come back. It'll be the MCU. It's my it's my. It's my life stream. It's my it's my bread and butter. Uh, just for my feel good, rah rah, yay, fun times at the movies. Um, and then uh, I went to go see A Quiet Place Part Two and Fast Nine. Right. Um, and you know, much like listen, much like all of our lives, they do not go 
according to plan. Right. Um, and and therefore, in, in this particular case, it's I, I was a little bit, to be perfectly honest, I've said it before, soured at the going back to the movies experience, at least in Queens. Again, right. I want to yeah. try to go other places that is not uh, the Astoria Regal. Yep. Uh, not that that's a bad theater by any means. It's just I still feel like people are living like they're in their living rooms um, more so than ever. Right. And, 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 and now I can't even blame them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I now will remove myself from the situation. And uh, actually, Dave, who was on our Fast 9 episode of uh, Nebula Standard Fade, gotcha. uh, had a small screening for some of us at the at the standard offices. Okay. And of they, Black Widow? Yeah. And oh, cool. they have a gorgeous, gorgeous, I think it's it's bigger than our projector's screen, Shahir. I, I think I want to say it's like, I think, 140 or 150 and a Ooh. great sound system. And it was a delight. Okay. Um, it, it, it felt like it, it was the perfect hybrid uh, of going to the movies and watching it in a, in a home area because again it's an office it's a big room it's got it's made for this yeah uh, also there was a strict no talking uh, rule <laughs> which I very much appreciated yeah uh, so thank you so much to Dave for throwing that together uh, so I, I had a really good uh, vi- visual uh, audio experience what about you you watched it at home right I, I watched it at home and I paused it frequently. Uh, <laughs> um, I purchased it for twenty nine ninety five on the Premier Access uh, program for Disney Plus, yeah. which um, and now I, I think that means I own the film now technically on Disney Plus, um, so, so I can, can watch it at any it. point. Um, and uh, which 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 I justified the experience to my wife as oh this means you could watch this because she couldn't watch it with me at the time, uh-huh. and I was like this means you could watch this when you wanted to. Uh, having seen the film, I, I I retract that offer to her, um, but we'll get into the reasons why in a moment. Why she's not allowed anymore? N- I, she, I, I'll say definitively, she would not enjoy this movie. Oh wow! Okay, all right. <laughs> um, but she's a, she, she if she wanted to, she still could. It's still I, on the account. I'm not a tyrant, merely uh, a mild dictator. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm an ineffectual di- dictator in my household, <laughs> which is that I make decrees, yet they are ignored uh, on a daily basis. So what if you, t- what if, what if, if, you're, if your decrees are ignored, hear mm-hmm. me out, what if you said that she couldn't watch it? Oh, then she would absolutely watch it. Moreover, she would love it. <laughs> what if, yeah, what if you said, yeah, what if you said you can't watch it because you'd hate it? Yeah. Would you be giving her the gift of enjoying a movie? Inadvertently. I think I, I think I no, you know, to be honest with you, I, I she is so so I actually I would be interested for her to watch it. She's a hard sell on film. She has a she has a very particular not even particular taste, just like uh it, she either loves something or hates something. Not only that, she has no interest in the Marvel Cinematic Universe sure. and, that's and has not, gonna get not followed these movies at all. Um, I thought about uh, whether I would try to get her into it. My gateway was I thought perhaps she might enjoy Guardians of the Galaxy, but I yeah. also think she might hate the, She might hate Guardians of the Galaxy. That's a solid 50-50. That's a solid 50-50. Yeah. Um, I was not... I. I uh, I watched uh, maybe 30 minutes of Captain Marvel and I clocked out of that movie. So I don't know how far she would go into that movie. Um, so Higher for the faster, baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm not sure. She she side watched. Uh, I did watch Fast Five uh, while uh, I was away. 
Uh, by the way, I have I've gotten into my, my new thing is portable projectors. I'm into portable projectors right now. Interesting. Um, so we could have a whole technical conversation about portable projectors. I have a question afterward. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I am enjoying the portable projector experience, which means all right. I guess I'm going to ask you now because <laughs> okay. I want to know. Um, I, I like the idea of portable projectors. I think they're very, very fun. How do you deal with the sound issue? Do you wear headphones? So, so the the portable projector I pr- picked up, which I actually, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm returning because a series of uh, a series of dead pixels has appeared and it's within my return window. So yep. I would rather you know just return it rather than trying to do a repair. Yada yada yada. Yeah. Uh, but I I have these Jimmy, I, I believe it's pronounced X G I M I portable projector. Uh, the other brand that is in this game is the Anchor Nebula. Um, okay. And there is an Epson one, and there's a few other brands as well. Um, the what I like about the anchor nebula and the jimmy is that they are essentially portable bluetooth speakers that happen to have a projector built into them is Um, but is the sound quality decent it's it's it, it here here's what i say is i use it to watch you know like stuff that i'm not like wanting the full cinematic experience sure of. so when i was re-watching the wire uh it was great to just be able to throw up we have a big white space in my in my bedroom that is not occupied by a picture yeah and it was just great to be able to like throw up the wire at like 120 inches as cool. i was going to bed and the speaker's right next to my head uh you can bluetooth speakers to it but you're not going to get it i mean and you probably if you did some finagling you could get a 5.1 experience if you really wanted to right um but you know generally uh you would do uh, a bluetooth speaker we did use the portable projector outdoors um uh while we were away and it was delightful we we, there was something there's something magical about being outside and watching television outside Yep, there's, um, a, there's a there's a beautiful novelty to it that uh, yeah. I actually haven't. Well, actually, that's not entirely true. Uh, both friend of ours and, and who have been on the show, Nick Parker and Kristen yes. Fight, uh, have a have a lovely rooftop um, that uh, has a projector on it, and I've yeah. watched a few films up there, and it is lovely. It is lovely, yeah. And um, the other thing, just before we wrap up and move on to the actual movie, which we're here to discuss, um, what I like about the Jimmy and um, the Anchor Nebula is they're they're Android TVs, so. Uh, oh, you don't nice. need to connect anything to them. They connect to Wi-Fi. You just plug them in. I mean, uh, the the Jimmy is actually battery. You can run it on battery for about two hours. Wow. Um, so it's just this little tiny thing uh, that you just place, and it's a 1080p signal that comes straight out of it. All right. Um, and well, yeah, now they has, owe us some ad revenue. They do owe us some ad um, revenue. Maybe they can fix my dead pixel situation. May, well, yeah, <laughs> maybe not, because now we're being honest about it. I mean, they're fun, but you know, you had a problem. I, I, I still recommend it. I think the, the dead pixel issue is just the particular unit I got um, and I hope it doesn't you know happen again yeah. um, but I still highly recommend the projector and, and I got it on sale at Amazon Prime Day thank you Jeffrey Bezos uh, for, you did like, it. for 600 bucks or something like that or 700 bucks um, anyway Moving on. Uh, yes, I watched it at home on our, my actual projector system right. uh, with nice sound. I just replaced the bulb on that. And uh, I also just bought a new uh, Dolby Atmos uh, soundbar system, nice. uh, which I really like. It's got, a, it's, got a, it's got a ton of bass, baby. I know this isn't the only podcast about projectors, but I have another projector question because my, mm. my projector just got through its last bulb. I put in my last fresh bulb. Okay. And I'm debating now. You should have anyone. Well, hold on. I'm getting to that. Yeah. I'm debating now, and everyone write us in, only move a podcast at gmail.com if you have some skin in the projector game. Do I upgrade to a new projector? Do I buy more bulbs and not because I'm afraid they're going to run out and yeah. either keep using this one or, uh, and by run out, I mean stop manufacturing the type of bulbs for my, because yeah. I think it's like six years old at this point. Yeah. Or do I just go back to TVs? Ooh. I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, you you kind of had the best of both worlds, which is that you have a TV in your bedroom, right? 
Yes. And so the funny thing about the projector, the, the home projector thing that I've been doing is that like we have a rule in our house of no TVs and bedrooms. And this allowed me to skirt that line, <laughs> skirt that line very, very, very finely. It's but not a TV. It's not a TV. It's just the thing on the, the wall's just there, baby. Wow. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I'm still, I, I believe projector technology, I, I believe there's, there is something magical about watching things on a projection unit. Um, I, I I like the fact that the that the light is shining from behind me and not in to me. I think sure. there's something about that that I, I don't know if there's an ephemeral quality to that, but I like that that I'm you know like it doesn't affect my sleep as much or anything like that. You know, like interesting. Uh, I feel well, like it's, it's not it's not it's not fully blue light, I guess, because by the time it hits your eye, it's reflecting off a white surface or exactly, something like yeah. that. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if there's any science to that, if there is any physio- physiological science to that. Yeah. But I, I certainly feel that and I appreciate it. Right. Um, like when I feel like when I watch TV for too long, my I do get eye strain, whereas when I'm watching projector projected image, I feel like I'm more focused and I'm not being strained. And I do have to say, I really love my setup. I do not have a console or a, or a, like a piece of furniture in front of my screen. It's just on a wall that's a general walkway. It opens up my my, my yeah. living space quite a bit. If there was a TV there, I mean, I guess I could hang it on the wall and run the cables the same way, but that's still a lot of HDMI. And Right now, I'm watching your projector behind you. Uh, that is projecting. true. Jamie, Jamie is playing Breath of the Wild behind me. Yeah, and I'm um, seeing, I'm going, I've really got to play this game at some point. I know, <laughs> I know my son wants a Nintendo Switch, and I'm secretly kind of going, yeah, maybe we should get into this just so i can play the version son yeah i saw the oled version come out uh which uh, as far as i can tell slightly better it's slightly better i won't get one i mean unless my switch breaks there's no point (laughs) uh Um, before we move on to the movie though i do want to just uh point out this fact which is that disney did something unusual uh which is that they released the actual streaming revenue numbers for the premiere access of black widow Okay. Uh, which is something that most, uh, if you've been following the sort of economics of streaming for a while, um, it has been difficult to figure out what is the internal revenues for streaming. How do they? How do people? You know, on Netflix, how much does a movie make if it's streamed? You know, a million times. Like, what, what's the metric that measures that? Sure. Um, but for uh, Disney Plus, on in this particular uh, model, you had to pay thirty dollars to get the film. And what they released is that uh, that uh, Black Widow set a pandemic era. Bond box office record with its $80 million domestic debut, but also padded that numbers with an additional $60 million in rental revenue, which is to say the differential between what people will go willing to go and see in a theater and willing to pay a little bit more and see at home was much closer than it had been previously. Yeah. And there isn't a, uh, the um, screening window or rental window um, uh, for movies after they screened um, theatrically has shortened now in agreement between uh, studios and distributors and theaters to, I think, I believe now 14 days or, or some amount like that. So oh, wow. uh, A Quiet Place 2 is now available on streaming exclusively really? on Paramount+. Plus. Oh. Uh, and so this is the th- we talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago when we talked about Amazon uh, and their purchase of MGM. Uh, oh, actually, there's another part to this that I do want to get into as well. But uh, <laughs> but um, the fact of the matter is, is that the theatrical business is under threat um, and every streaming platform now is in a effectively in a space race between each other 
to have content that the other that their competitors don't have yep. it used to be the case that netflix was kind of a catch-all for everyone um that that business model seems to be eroding away with now netflix creating and curating its own content and other streaming services like disney plus picking up okay we've got marvel we've got star wars uh paramount saying we've got mission impossible um you know we've got movies like a quiet place um and uh peacock for example having we've got the office so if you want the office this is where you're gonna yeah, have to come they, to get they snatched that back as quick as they could get out of their yeah. contract. So we're getting into this really interesting situation. Again, I, I think we talked about it in terms of, um, you know, we all thought that uh, cord cutting would be um, a, a lower cost outlay for most of us. Um, but if you're wanting to sort of see a variety of materials, there's no sort of repository for every single, you know, like for yeah. a small piece of everything that you want to see, unless you're willing to, you know, start streaming or build Plex service or whatever it is, you know, that more technological route. So here's something interesting that I found, because I've thought a lot about this, because like, with, you know, two maybe even this year, maybe pandemic is when I really sort of, uh, I always posited that it would come like this, but uh, it, it definitely, it definitely has uh, reared its ugly head. You are right. We are not spending less. We're spending uh, more. Yeah. We're, well, well, I'd say we're spending about the same as old cable. I'm, I, at least when I was paying. Um, I only get three or four of the streaming services, and then you have your internet bill, right? Yeah. But this is the weird psychological uh, uh, conceit for myself. Mm -hmm. I feel better about it. You f I, can, yeah. I can actively, if I notice I'm not watching Hulu for a while, I know that there's not going to be a movie coming out soon, I can cancel my Hulu subscription. Right. Like, before, everything was bundled together, and there's something, you know what? This is the weird part. With cable, let's say we're paying roughly the same, right? But yeah. we are now choosing maybe like 70% of the content that we can see. Right. With cable, you get so much other trash right. that you just don't want. Yeah. It feels bloated and ineffective. Yeah. And you're still paying the same. Like, this is direct what I want. I can get what I want when I want. And I'm not getting a lot of tertiary bullshit. So it's, I a, it's feel, a la carte. I feel better. Yeah. about the monthly charge than I did paying for cable, even though it is the same probably for, quote, less content. Yeah. Like, it's curated now, yeah. and, and, and I appreciate I, that. What I did tend to like, although we're in a slightly different position, which is that we want to see things contemporaneously as they're coming out, so we want to see things uh, immediately. Yep. Um, but what I did like was that, you know, on iTunes you could purchase uh, a movie, you know, just a single rental of that particular movie, a few months later after it had come out or something like that. And now with this sort of streaming service, that service may, you know, like the, there might be an erosion of that. I'll, I'll, you know, anecdotally, the most interesting thing is my son is super into Paw Patrol. I don't know if you know what Paw, Paw Patrol, Patrol. Yes. Yeah, Paw Patrol. And uh, the Paw Patrol movies, uh, which are these 45 little minute movies, are not available on any streaming service except for um, Google Play Store. And wow. it's really frustrating because I am not in this in the Google Play Store uh, ecosystem. So let's let's talk about this for a second because I ran into something similar, and this gets into this is all going to tie back to Black Widow. I promise. Eventually, we'll get there. no, no, no. I got it. But here's why. So I love the fact that I can collect and will until they stop making them or the sun burns out. I love getting the Blu-rays of Marvel films. They have their own sure. section in my thing. Yeah. It's one continuous story. I love having, and I'm a big proprietor of physical media. Right. Um, I don't get as much as I used to because I don't need to, but it, there are certain points where you run into that. Yeah. I mean, Paw Patrol being available on one sort of platform is kind of dangerous. I ran into something recently. Jamie had never seen True Lies. Okay. 
Okay, yes. and I was like, oh. The, the James Cameron films are an interesting phenomenon. So here's the deal. So I was like, oh, I'll, I'll, it has to be streaming somewhere, and we searched yeah. and searched and searched, and it's nowhere. And I was like, fuck, do I yeah. own this? And I was like, I don't even own the DVD. I had this on VHS. Okay, yeah. cool. I'll buy the Blu-ray. Yeah, Amazon. We'll get you to you tomorrow. Wait a minute. They don't make a Blu-ray for True Lies. That's right. Uh, well, you know where they did make one? South America. Really? And I got one that played in my, it's a region A, B, and C. It's a red case. Yeah. There was one left, and I <laughs> bought it, and it has the English. It's English sound. It's whatever. You can have the, whatever subtitles or other tracks you want. Yeah. Uh, and now I own it, but it got me really thinking, and it wasn't too expensive. I think it was like $15 or something. Okay. And I, like, mean, that's, I mean, that's on the high side for a movie that old. Like, ultimately, you really just wanted to pay $3 to watch it, right? Sure, but you yeah. know what, though? I mean, this is weird. It, and a lot of it holds up, and some of it doesn't. Um, um, I can tell you. I, yeah. I can tell you something that didn't hold up in that movie the first time I watched it. Whoa, is Tom Arnold? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but the... the uh, the it, That was a movie that was important to me growing up, weirdly. Yeah. And not being able... like I, I got into a real like feeding frenzy of, like, I can't watch this movie. There, I, This is not... I, I am unable to engage with it. Yeah. I must own it to make sure I can engage with it on my terms. <laughs> right. And that's that's going to start happening more and more as licensing gets more and more complicated until we eventually reach a metaverse situation, which is, we're very far away from. Uh, we'll, we'll see how the blockchain works there. Um, you can. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting phenomenon how we're all turning to this a la carte streaming, whatever. And it's great until what you want is unavailable. Right. Or until you lose the internet. Either way. Um, um, the, this is, uh, by the way, with those two particular, oh, well, with, with um, True Lies and The Abyss, those are most notably uh, absent from both Blu-rays, uh, other than there were some knockout, um, uh, outside companies that produced Blu-rays sort of briefly on then, um, and not available on any streaming service. James Cameron has tweeted about it. They are trying to do remasters of that. Uh, there's a, a couple of articles about it you can uh, you can find about the, the, the sort of difficulty of this particular film coming out. But it's interesting because we talked about uh amazon's purchase of mgm and amazon's mm -hmm. purchase of mgm in a way gives them the right to print certain movies like uh not necessarily true lies in the abyss but like the wizard of oz in perpetuity yeah. um well so and here's the question yeah I, going and back those to are black valuable widow. those are incredibly yeah. valuable going back to black widow yeah i want to buy it on blu-ray okay i'm sure black widow will come out on blu-ray yes but how long until they just stop doing that because they realize if you buy it you won't keep renting it. Right. And and now, I think, to be honest, the answer to that is whenever Middle America gets good internet. <laughs> like, to be honest, like, yeah. that's Netflix still has a DVD delivery service. Right. Like, yeah. there are places that the internet does not reach. It's more than 50% of the country, or, like, not reach, but, like, is not fast enough to do high-quality HD streaming. Right, right. So in the United States, I think that is when we will see physical media die, is whenever we get infrastructure. So probably never. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I, I do want to wrap this up with two, two very short stories. Okay. One is that when I was in Fiji uh, a few years back, we went on a, uh, we went on a tour 
and um, we went, we hiked into the mountains to a waterfall where uh, 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 it's not where they bottle the Fiji water, but it was a beautiful freshwater waterfall. It was one of the most majestic. Oh, really? Experience. Does the Fiji water not come from Fiji? Well, it doesn't come from this particular waterfall, oh. but this particular waterfall is a protected thing. You can only go with the local village to go see. Um, they will they will walk you in. They look after this waterfall. It was one of the most majestic things. Our tour guide got wind of the fact that I was a filmmaker, and the only thing they were interested in was talking to me about how they could get copies of the Fast and the Furious movies so they could watch it in the village because they didn't have access, they didn't have internet access as widely available and they didn't have um, uh, places they could buy uh, the Fast and the Furious movies. So that was, they, they, like we talk about- Tell me you mailed him all eight of them or whatever I did, was out. I did not actually, because oh. I, I, I was like, I didn't even know how to get in touch with this person. Yeah. Um, but uh, and the, the, just the final thing here was that um, uh, over the weekend, A24 was speculating about potentially going to a sale as well with all of their library content with an asking price of around $3 billion. Now, this was a price that um, A24 has priced valued their assets at uh, or their particular intellectual property. And it's quite high, but when you look at their catalog of movies, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's it's a lot of great stuff, including a lot of Oscar winners there. Yep. Um, so uh, it's uh, look all very interesting. Um, we live in an intellectual property world, and uh, we're just squirrels trying to get. Nuts. And we're intellectual property girls. <laughs> yeah. Um, the the so yeah, actually, write us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Do you like? The way that streaming services are going a la carte, do you somehow miss the cable days? Are you a physical media hoarder like me, or do you think that we should just give up and let the algorithmic overlords take over and, and make the internet pour all of our content to us? Let us know all of those things and preferences, because I would like to get a temperature. Okay. Moving on. Not a rectal thermometer, though. No, I have one of those. Um, I'm going to read you what the Internet Movie Database says Black Widow is about. And let me tell you, highly accurate. Okay. A film about Natasha Romanoff in her quest between the films Civil War and Infinity War. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking cop out but it's true but it's true well it's just it what i think is interesting about that particular uh, synopsis is it presupposes that you, you it presupposes that anybody reading that synopsis knows what the marvel cinematic universe is yep. if my wife read that she'd be like what do these words mean in 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 connection with each other <laughs> um this was a movie uh, we both watched at home or in uh in um home environments matt how did your first mcu well this is oh. not your first MCU experience in the pandemic because no, there have been three of them. There have been three television shows, extended mm -hmm. television shows that I have not watched. So and, I will say this: this is what yeah. I really like, and I don't know if they planned it this way, but kudos if they did. Right. So, WandaVision, great series, hyper kind of I wouldn't say cerebral, but definitely more more think PC and uh, visually spec visual spectacle, special effects, yada yada yada. Okay, Falcon, it's great, but like otherworldly. Right, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, more grounded, but still uh, uh, some high tech stuff, you know, blah blah blah. Okay. Uh, then Loki, complete mind fuck. By the end of it, I watched. It just uh, finished last night, right? Yeah, I watched episode six early this morning, and I gotta say, I'm excited where the MCU is going. Okay. But it's but it's it's so out there by the end, like right. it's 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 nutty town. Right. And then Black Widow comes back and sort of brings me back down to 
street level brings me back down to and i'm not saying this in terms of quality i'm saying this in terms of scope okay uh brings me back to captain america and the winter soldier like there's there is uh we are now street level again these are spies and it's it's bullets and knives not laser beams and space <laughs> gods right right and i i really appreciate the ebb and flow of the mcu content currently right. because as soon as i get sick of one thing they give me another right um and i like that Okay, because so, I, I, I watched the trailer for What If. Yes, that the, looks fun. And I was like, is and there was just a part of me going, because this is a show that's entirely speculating on, you know, uh, alternate hypotheses of, uh, of the cinematic universe that they built up. Yep. And there was such a sort of refractive quality to that where I was like, is everything Marvel now? Like, I, I, I suddenly looked around, I was like, every conversation about television is about WandaVision, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, Black Widow, and then what if? And I was like, have I just not comprehended the fact that we live in a world where everything is Marvel? I mean, so this is the thing, and I've said this before. I think uh, as a society, we live in a society, she here, mm -hmm. that um, uh, we only have space for one connected universe, like in media. I just think that societally... I, I, I like other people have tried to like, ooh, let's connect everything, and no one seems to want it because we have that thing right. And that's not to say that Marvel will not be superseded at some point. I mean, you could look to the MMO genre and World of Warcraft and see how Final Fantasy XIV is currently eating its lunch. But like right now, the MCU is the one story that is uh, that to but rule them all in pop culture. That, that I guess what I'm saying is isn't necessarily that. That, that I, I'm aware that the, the, the success of Marvel is unprecedented and nobody else can replicate it. What I mean is Marvel is the only conversation in movies that everyone's having. It's the only conversation. Well, no, actually, you know what? I, I, no. just, I just felt that way when I saw the sort of, again, refractive quality of what if. You know what it you is? What? The Cannes Film Festival is happening right now. People are going crazy over Leo Carax's film. Yeah. It's, you know, this is I'm what just, it is. I'm just, I'm just you know, I've been living inside for too long. I've pinpointed, I think, what you're feeling, though. Yeah. Television and film has uh, the same, like, focus point in one specific, I don't know if to call it genre or, or grouping or, or cinematic world, right? right. Like, and that can make it feel like everything is that because, oh, the movie conversation this week is about Black Widow. Yeah. Okay, whatever. <laughs> oh, but also Loki's airing, and that's television. <laughs> and, and so, like, I definitely see the cross-pollination there. Yeah. Um, the, so the interesting thing about What If, before we get back to Black Widow. <laughs> we are never going to talk about this. We're movie. never going to talk we're, about Black we're Widow. We're just going to say at the end, we liked it or we didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, what If has a long history. I don't know if you ever read the comics. Did you know that this was a comic called no, What I If? No, I did not know that. So what ifs were some of my favorites growing up? Um, right. They were they were silly one-off stories mm. with a really fun pedigree of like just making a small change and like seeing how the world would splinter out. Right. I never in a million years thought we'd see a what if series. Uh, I'm <laughs> very excited for it. Um, I know it's going to be a lot of I understood that reference, and right. that's fine. It's a show. Yeah. Give it to me. I'll feel good about myself. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, but also, what I didn't expect is this little animated anthology to be directly connected to the actual physical really real world MCU. Oh, is it? And yeah, and yeah. I will say that the events of Loki are making me seem like oh this this is very calculated that what if is happening right after Loki. Okay. 
And and I was like, they're literally tying all. I, I don't know. I shouldn't even be surprised at this point. But I, I did very much appreciate the timing of this. Right. Um, and, and then again, Black Widow felt like a palate cleanser for me. Mm. Uh, and I didn't expect. This is something I'll say. I you know I was a wash of the trailers. I stopped watching after like the first. I think I watched half of the second trailer. Then I'm like, I'm just gonna wait for this. They have my money. Like I don't care. Oh my god, you did what now? I know. <laughs> um. But they released like six trailers, and because you know it was teased for a year, yeah. Um, and I didn't think I would like or care about any character in this movie, but Natasha Romanoff. Okay. And I really liked a lot of them. Okay. Um, I I thought Florence Pugh as Yelena, yeah, and the 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 heir apparent to the Black Widow sort of throne, mm-hmm. um, was such. A breath of fresh air, in a way. Now, granted, there are certain you, you can read it as sort of cheap shots. Like she's a sort of like outsider saying what a lot of people are currently thinking about Black Widow in the current day. Like, mm. I get it, but that also, but she, but Florence Pugh is just so fucking likable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I really, really, really liked her character, and I did not think I would from the trailers. I thought that. um David Harbour's Red Guardian was such a fun take on an otherwise milk toast character from the comics. Right. Um, I liked the 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 like I'm air quoting here, but the Americans sort of um, <laughs> like uh, family the, unit that they the, the were. The TV they, show, they, the Americans. They were, yeah, the TV yeah. show, the Americans, where when uh, Natasha was young and Elena was young, and they had like a, a family unit with Rachel Weisz's character, and like the, the, I really liked the beginning sequence of them like having to run. Right from uh, from the police and get away. Right, and even the reveal that like I knew David Harper was the Red Guardian. I knew there was probably some super soldiery stuff, but like there's a part where he's like they're moving the plane and he just flips the dumpster, right. and I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, you're okay. Yeah, uh, and then you know they get away, and 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 from that moment, and actually from the. Um, I think it's a uh, Maja J or something does the cover of Smells Like Teen Spirit. I'm butchering that. Right, right, um, yeah. <laughs> but that that cover, which has been around, I think, for four years. Yeah. Um, but it worked so well against the Black Widow program Red Room mm-hmm. iconography, right. where I was like, okay. <laughs> um, I I I'll go back and forth on the things I liked and I didn't like. The last thing I'll sort of say before I toss it to you was I actually really did appreciate how dark this movie got. Mm-hmm. Um, this I would I would I might have to I might eat my own words you can write us in and tell me I'm wrong onlymoviepodcastgmail.com this might be the darkest the MCU has gotten hmm. um, I mean not not from a set of stakes or like something like that but like subject matter like because hmm. at the end of the day it's child trafficking <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and the last thing I will say is as a person who really likes this grand experiment of connectivity, mm-hmm. this film rode the line for me for I understood that reference and actually answering questions they posed in the past, mm-hmm. um, even back to Avengers 1. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Budapest has been right. uh, 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 kicked to death Budapest. at this person. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but like even little things when like Loki's giving the speech in Avengers One and she's like, Oh, do you really he's like, You really think you can clean your ledger? And he lists off a bunch of people and he says, Drakov's daughter. 
And like, and I get that this is a Kessel Run situation. I get that they're like connecting pieces that were disparate and just from a script. Yeah. Like this wasn't a grand plan, but they make it feel really nice. The setting of this between Civil War and Infinity War makes a ton of sense. I mean, in the beginning of Infinity War, when Natasha shows up with Cap, you're like, where the fuck were you? Like, now I know. Right. Um, I don't know. I... I, I, I knew I'd like this movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that I'd kind of want to champion it, even for its flaws, okay. um, which I can get into later. I'm sure, I'm sure that that'll be a topic of discussion. What did, what did you think overall, buddy? Uh, overall, I was mixed on this whole thing um, for a couple of reasons. But I want to say, so I, I, you enjoyed the film overall, and it kind of fit into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and as, a, as a whole for you in, in, a, in a strong way. Um, I was excited for this film for one reason only, and, and that is Kate Rowland, uh, who made one of my favorite films of all time, uh, a movie called Somersault, uh, which uh, gave us, uh, uh, w- w- which is an first off just an incredible, incredible um, film, but also uh, gave us Abby Cornish and um, Sam Worthington, or put both of them on the sort of center stage. It's it's a remarkable piece of filmmaking. Uh, I remember seeing that and being mesmerized by it. Nice. Um, so uh, to to know that she was behind this and being. Um, uh, given the opportunity to do sort of a movie on this scale, um, I was very excited for. She did a movie a few years ago called Lore, uh, which I have not seen, uh, but I, again, you know, basically what I'm trying to say is uh, from Somersault, I'm all in on Kate Shortland. I'm just, you know, I'm there. Um, So when it came to Black Widow, then I also had this sort of uh, uh, alternative experience, which I don't normally have, which is that uh, I normally don't watch the trailers. I worked on a award show a few weeks ago or months ago. I have no conception of time anymore, um, where I had to watch uh, every single trailer Everyone. For, Black, uh, for Black Widow several times over. And um, I, yeah, I, I, I'm going to double down on that thing, which is that if you're going to go see a movie, don't watch the trailers. Um, because, um, for example, the moment that you mentioned before when David Harbour's, char- David Harbour's character flips over um, uh, a piece of equipment, uh, a large tractor or mm-hmm. something like that. There was no surprise for me, not because I hadn't seen it, but because I knew he was a super soldier. So yeah. in fact, I was expecting that moment or I was expecting something like that uh, to happen you know, in that moment. And it was of no surprise to me. Whereas I, uh, you're describing, if it was a surprise to you that, that that was that character or that he did that, then I think that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, that is to say, we were all aware that what we were watching a Marvel movie. So something like that is bound yeah. to happen. Um, I, I will say, I think when this film worked, it was in the intimate family moments or when, when mm-hmm. the film was kind of discussing or getting at the heart of what makes a connection between a family, whether it be real or imagined. And I think that those were like, I'm, I'm, I think that's an interesting idea. I think they're playing with it in interesting ways. I think the betrayals that... Um, uh, Natasha and uh, Yelena are feeling about their families as they happen and as we experience them are really interesting and dynamic and compelling. Every time the movie film you know jumps into a set piece, I I clock out um, yeah. almost entirely. And 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 they because I think this movie does something which um, I have seen in other Marvel movies, but never quite this disconnected, which is that it, it, pre- it, it, it I guess it, it substitutes scale for catharsis, 
which is to say that it, it escalates uh, action sequences into sort of larger scales and supposes or presumes that those larger scales reinforces the catharsis of the things that I was actually interested in or the things that the story hmm. seemed to be telling us that the, the film was really about. But once, you know, uh, avalanches happen and they have to, like, um, you know, escape an avalanche through a helicopter sequence, I was like, yeah, cool. It's great that you can do that. I, I don't care. And once, you know, we're into sort of... Um, what there, there was a video game. I feel like um, a lot of the final sequence of this film felt a little bit like Strider, the game Strider, where you would, like, fall down, uh, like, you know, buildings as they were collapsing and you would have to, like, hook onto them. Um, okay. There's probably other video Bayonetta. games. Yeah. yeah, there's other video games that'll be like that. But I found that, like, I was... I, I will even say in Guardians of the Galaxy and films like that, where those films really are talking about connectiveness and, and family and all that sort of jazz. And t what I tend to recall about those is the final sequences has to be about all the characters working together. And like, mm. you know, we are sort of experiencing what the, the bigger picture of what the movie is through this action, action set piece. Whereas in this film, we were just experiencing action set pieces that I tended to just like clock out of entirely. So I, I, I'll even agree with you on this. Um, I, I will say that the big set piece moments never really connected for me. I never felt like anyone was in any real danger. They were neat looking, cool. I liked the car chase and the door trick that they did with the car like way more than the whole prison yeah. break avalanche scene. Because that's, that's connected to the issue of trust between these two characters. Yes, but yeah. here's what I will say. Hmm. What While the big set piece moments did not work for me, you know what did hmm. is any fight with Taskmaster for hmm. two reasons. Right. One, they were shot and filmed. They felt different. The way I love the, the idea... Taskmaster is one of my favorite like D-list villains, and I know that this Taskmaster is much different from the comic book tech taskmaster but the to have the power set of being able to be a mimic and like mimic anybody's moves and then have everybody's weapons and like sort of do it that's just a fun gimmick mm. and so you can kind of transplant that onto a couple people i wasn't a huge fan of the costume of it doesn't matter right. but the but but two reasons why i th thought that those fight scenes were resonant one they always felt dangerous because they felt faster and more like more uh they had a more of an intent Mm -hmm. And and that might have come from the physicality of the fighting or the choreography or whatever. And then, two, by the time the twist happens, and I guess we're sort of into spoiler territory by now, and you realize that Taskmaster is actually the villain's daughter, Dracoff's daughter, whom, mm -hmm. again, has been mentioned multiple times in Natasha's backstory, it goes from, oh, shit, rando villain trying to kill Natasha, she's trying to beat random villain, to r villain trying to kill Natasha, Natasha wants to save villain. Hmm. And it gets into that sort of interesting... Uh, again, not quite Bucky territory, not quite yeah, Captain say, America: Winter Soldier. Sort of Bucky, yeah, it is. Yeah, but 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 sure this is but this else. is this is a little bit different because I mean, literally, what Natasha did as she thought was her act of penance to to like wipe her slate clean created a fucking monster, and it didn't. The thing she tried to destroy actually didn't go away. So at that moment when you kind of have that realization side note so glad it wasn't rachel wise like i thought it was from all the trailers uh right. i thought you know but whatever um then i started caring about the falling sequence 
Right. Like, I didn't give a shit about anything until I was like, because then I started like thinking, I was like, how is this going to end? Right. Is she going to save her? Is she going to have to get like, what's, you know, and it's not that I had a huge, huge emotional resonance for Drakov's daughter, but right. you kind of understand that you see why this person wants Natasha dead. Right. <laughs> and like, but she there's... doesn't, right? She's, she, isn't she mind programmed like the rest of the characters? Like she doesn't. Yes. And then you sort of find that out at the end. But like, again, it kind of, it kind of jumps through stuff. And, and the mind control <laughs> bit, I get it. It's an MCU movie. Like they're going to go to an extreme with it. And I kind of have an issue with how that sort of, there's, <laughs> whatever. Like you didn't have to do that. Like this could have been a little bit different. But sure, if we want to do like a red mist that like cleans it up, like whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I found those moments resonant, but big the, the larger set pieces overall, I was like, I mean, this is fine. Like, yeah. everyone looks cool doing their shit. Uh, but, I, the, but, the, but yeah, there's this sort of a... a di- like, they're all um, well-crafted, as you would expect at this point. Um, however, they... Both they lacked a little bit of personality for me in that I wasn't sure what I was supposed to be focused on in those moments and i didn't generally care about the outcome of those sequences um and i and i will say i was mildly interested in the family stuff yeah you know but but i also knew that the film wasn't that interested in 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 that family stuff uh as much as it it spends a lot of time on it though i would say it is interested but i think it's not interested in it, it my my thing there is that I feel like it's it's superficially interested in the idea of family, and I think the one the 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 best moment in the film, the, the far and away the best 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 moment of any moment in this film, is when Yelena says, "You guys can't take away my chi- tell me that my childhood was fake. It would it might have been fake to you, but these were the happiest days of my lives, and whether it was real or not, it meant something to me." And that's the best mm-hmm. moment in the movie. Like, and that's, but, but I, I don't know if the film really, you know, it kind of mentions that, but the film's not really about that, you know? I mean, yeah. what's interesting is I think it's trying to balance big action spectacle, yeah, Marvel yeah. movie, whatever, and these, these things. And, and it's funny, the, the, the last movie I've seen having to deal with family, she here, yeah. um, it, it's become a meme at this point. Right. And this movie, while it doesn't spend, I, you're right. It's that's the most interesting part of this movie. Yeah. And does it spend enough time there? Does it give it the exact amount, like a, enough reverence, to make it like a real cathartic sort of moment? I I don't think so. But like, it felt like the right combination for me. Like especially after the and I, I the the Fast Nine stuff. Like they say the word family, but it like. And some of the fast movies do feel do give you that feeling of family. Now it's become the meme of it, and it doesn't matter anymore. Right. This kind of brought that feeling. I, I felt like it for action movie, you know, land. It pulled that back a little for me. Did it go far enough? No, you're right. Those are the most interesting spots. I do kind of wish it lived in that a little more. Yeah, I, that's, um, that's my point. Is I think I wish yeah. it lived in that, and I think there was for me that's the moment. Like that character having that moment was where I think the what was what could have been interesting about this movie should have been. And other than that, I think, you know, like David Arbor's character, 
um, as the Red Guardian. I think what it's fun. He's great in it, by the way. He's he's yeah. he's chewing he, scenery like a motherfucker. Yeah, he's chewing scenery, but he also like he knows what his role is and he does it so well. And he's having such a great he's he's so gleefully enjoying it. There's a great article in Men's Fitness this year uh, about <laughs> about how he's like next to he he where Thor wore a fat suit. Uh, David Arbor is the schlubby guy, you know, like he, yeah, he, like and he's like I embrace it. He embraces it, and it's not about like um, you know like. Get suddenly getting a six pack for this movie or anything like that. It's like I that my role is to be the schlubby guy. I'm gonna be the schlubby guy, and that is what's important about this role. And it's so good. He's so good. In it. I was confused about, um, I guess in that character in relation to Yelena's, um, you know, Yelena. To me, Yelena is the through line through the film. Like, yes. it, there's a sort of oddity about this movie, which is that um, ultimately this movie is supposed to kind of. Um, not just retcon, but give Black Widow uh, a movie or a moment in the MCU, you know, where other characters have, and she's been such a critical figure yep. and not had her own movie. But yet it kind of instead sidelines her again for another character who is more interesting and has more to do and and is given more more moments to 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 kind of explore and that is the victim of time like so so and, i don't know i don't know how familiar you are with the, the sort of history of like this movie's journey right yeah yeah i was gonna i i, I well, was gonna we can get to that later but yeah, yeah well i was gonna get into this movie felt like it should have been um natasha's movie more and it should have come out earlier like, so this is the interesting part so yes comma but yeah. I wanted this movie to be more of a Natasha movie than it was. But currently and how it functions because of what has happened to Natasha in the series, it really can't be for it, it, in in the way this machine works. Could yeah. they have done it? Of course they could. But like this movie if it had been so like and, and I don't know how how familiar you are with like Ike uh, Perlmutter yes, and that yes, whole I'm thing. Of, I I am aware of the infamous Ike Perlman. Yeah, we do not have to get into that, but long story short, the person who was in charge of Marvel for a long time was a sexist, racist guy and uh, did not want any non-white uh, male-led films or properties going for a while, which is why Marvel was so slow on the uptake to do any of this stuff. And then only after Wonder Woman and when Ike was sort of out was Kevin Feige able to sort of push things through or, or wanted to give it a shot, etc. And then by that time... Uh, there were still contractual obligations because they signed uh, Scarlett Johansson along with other characters um, in, in, in purposely sort of like damning contracts that made them only get paid a certain amount of money and only be side characters in other people's yeah, movies were, they, and not be the lead. They were contractually only obligated to be in Avengers movies, so not there's, to have their own movies. There's a whole mm -hmm. bunch of paperwork and shit they had to do, and that's why Captain Marvel mm -hmm. came out beforehand and mm -hmm. then... Uh, you know, however they want to move these these things have giant sort of schedules and pipelines of getting these stories across that don't always line up. The interesting thing is, is I wonder like if this came out like five years ago before we knew Natasha was going to die. Mm -hmm. I don't think Yelena would have been the same character. I think they would have given a lot of Yelena yeah. to Natasha. Right. Like, and I get why they're doing it because yeah. Yelena, especially in the after credit sequence with um, 
LaFontaine, I forget uh, who uh, Julia Dreyfus is yeah. uh, is playing, but she's uh, Contessa. Yeah. Uh, I, I, in the interest of, of not seeming foolish during this episode, I just went and read all the spoilers for all the things. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and you know what? That's appreciated. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, too. And again, timing is everything. Uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus has been in, she was a cameo in, in Falcon, uh, Falcon the Winter, and the Winter Soldier, yeah. uh, when she takes U.S. Agent and to go and like, and I'm wondering if there's going to be a Thunderbolts movie, which would be fucking great, especially if they can get Norman Osborn. I'm nerding out. Don't worry about it. The, so like this movie felt like the correct movie for right now. Though I would have liked to for the character that I've had 11 years with, 12 years with, and really liking, mm. or I guess a little bit less than that. I don't know when Iron Man 2 is 2010. Yeah. No. Yeah, maybe. Um, I would have really liked more than that, mm. but I know I, I can understand why it is what it is. And to be honest, it does. I, it rides that weird line, right? Because it is a prequel, so to speak, to the end of her story, it fills in the gaps of her tale. Right. And I was interested in that, but also it's not going to give you anything you don't fully understand because you know where she's going. Yeah. And, and that's hard. Like, I think if you recall our um, in-game conversation, uh, I sort of talked about the fact that the the and the, we're going to go into all sorts of marvel spoilers here so i mean if they're you, watching you, this you gotta be, in you gotta be in on this at this point um you know the 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 conflict of who should die in order to receive the soul stone mm -hmm. i think i joked about the fact that the movie was really setting up the idea that clint should live because it opens with him losing his family and you know like um spending the entire film kind of like um living to try and regain that loss whereas we don't see the same thing with um with black widow mm -hmm. now i think there is um there's there's been sort of an interesting conversation about whether that matters given that black widow is still a central figure and whether whether the fact that she doesn't have a family should be the governing reason but it just felt like that's what that movie was saying and it's interesting to me that this movie somewhat modifies that equation but not yeah. by a much not by a hell of a lot. Yeah, you know what Black I mean? Widow has two families. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, what it, what it, what it points to is this idea that this movie has so much to try and negotiate in terms of what has come before it, what it is allowed to talk about, and how much it has to, it is available to open up the world, and it's what real, comes after. Yeah, it's a real razor thin um, window that this movie can exist within, and I kind of just get to this thing, which is that. Um, I think where I wa when we watched uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, that was a movie that I felt was just unnecessary in that it didn't move the plot or the needle any way for me. And it teased a better movie at the end of it than, than the actual movie that I just watched. And I was sure. like, I just want to watch the movie that you teased as opposed to the movie I just saw. Um, this movie is more interesting than that, in my opinion. <laughs> Yes, like it is I agree with like that. like like it is there is there is something at the heart of this movie that is more compelling and it is the, I guess maybe that's the word for it it has got a, a heart and a center to it but mm -hmm. I feel like all of that gets buried in the sort of the things this movie has to do by being part of this bigger universe maybe. and and that's what makes me sort of go I don't know what this movie 
is achieving and and what what sort of saddens me about that is this sort of like i i love kate shorland i think she's so cool and i think she's just such a great filmmaker off the basis of one movie alone Mm -hmm. and and i like i think about the window that taika waititi had in thor ragnarok which was that his goal there was to reset this universe you know to reset the tone, yeah. the style, and it was early enough before Endgame that, you know, like the parameters of what he would sit up was all um, perpetual and in motion ahead of him. He was on a train that was moving forward. This movie is on a train that has already reached its destination. And and in a way, it makes the journey pretty, but somewhat redundant. Here's what it is. I, I figured it out while, while you were While I was you, yammering. <laughs> no, no, you, you made something click for me. You know what this movie is? It's DLC. Right, yeah. And, and, and th- that is not, in my opinion, not an insult. Right. Um, some of my favorite video game experiences have been downloadable content. Uh, Bioshock 2's Minerva's Den is one of the most poignant things of that entire series. Uh, even Uncharted 4 has Lost Legacy, which has like, some great side character work. And, like, I don't know, Last of Us has early stuff with Ellie and one of her friends growing up uh, in, in the city before she and Joel go on her adventure. And, like, anything that lets me spend more time in a respectable and overall enjoyable moment with characters that I know are gone right I like to I mean, and, and again I, I will say to a point in Black Widow there was a there was a story-sized hole that this movie filled is it necessary I mean we've talked about that word before I mean nothing really is but like for you to understand the arc of the entire MCU no but I really like when this giant thing gets small. And, right. And, and I, I did really appreciate that about but it. But that's the problem for me is that I want this to be a small movie. And I want this to be a small movie in not necessarily the stakes. Like the stakes should be life or death for this character because that's the world in which she lives in. But then the movie explodes out into superhero territory where you know she is death defying and you know leaps off buildings and and you know like there are um major sort of city-sized events happening which i just you know i don't care for and and i and i don't care for in this film like i have seen those kinds of stories and and they can be done very well like i you know you and i have talked about the dark knight rises quite a bit and how much you dislike that film but i do think that that film understands how to do scale in a way that affects its characters it's funny i i actually i think they dark knight the dark knight rises and black widow have the same problem in a in a altering effect there's ridiculousness to The Dark Knight Rises. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Yeah, yeah. I'm just no, using no. it as an example, which I is know. that I think, I think... But they they both miss the mark in different ways. Like, if it's a dartboard, one is on the left of the dartboard and one is on the right, but they both don't hit the dartboard. <laughs> like, I, I, I think Dark Knight Rises does hit the dartboard in terms of... In just, in just in, if we just, like, reduce it to this one part of the conversation, which is how do we use scale to tell our characters' stories? And I think Dark Knight Rises is something that does do that well. I don't and think it, it does. I mean, I, I, to be honest, it, it, let's it, pick it. I mean, yeah. I, I think it does. Let's say Interstellar. Then let's let's pick another Nolan movie, sure. which okay. uses scale to tell its characters' stories and does so very well. Um, this is a movie where scale is 
is simply scale. Right? Scale like, has nothing to do with the character's journey yeah, in Black it, Widow. Yeah, it's just it's just simply it feels like large sit pieces. You know what's interesting? I think I'm I think we're we're learning something about us. I I can and and do often, and I don't think this there's nothing good or bad about this. I enjoy storyline and spectacle and they don't exactly have to be purely intertwined right will i resonate with it harder again the taskmaster stuff i actually do because it actually is um yes is that better a hundred percent but i do get into points with these movies because i kind of like i'm like oh it's a marvel movie yeah there's gonna be a floating city and she's gonna fall down and kick off debris and like whatever like mm. but that doesn't help me understand natasha romanoff that's just like oh neat yay and i i think that and you can correct me if i'm wrong i'm making a judgment call on your interests at this point i think you need more than that i think i've but we've we've had that conversation where yeah. i've always needed more than that yeah, which yeah, is yeah. That, but but it's it's not a huge baseline that i'm going for here no it's not a hundred percent which is that those things need to feel like they're within the world that this film is interested in you like, know what's interesting Sorry, yeah. I, like let's take the flying city because the flying city is a bit of a ju shark jump moment. Yeah. Although I will say I didn't know that the stuff I saw from the trailer would be from a flying city, and I thought that was neat. Right. Um, but you know, I was thinking about this too. I was like, that city didn't need to be fucking flying. <laughs> like I get it. Like oh, it's a secret. No one can find it except every piece of radar would. Yeah. Um, the I was like, what if it was on? I, I kind of wish it was either on a giant like aircraft carrier or underwater. Because right. that feels more spy-ish, yeah. and that feels more correct for the world. Yeah, and it would have been, it would have been, you know, how she was watching Moonraker. Yep. Uh, if she was watching The Spy Who Loves Me, yeah, had the like, underwater, then it would have made more sense. Yeah, I think the problem isn't, it isn't the underwater city, uh, the, the 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 flying city. It's the idea that the the film becomes the set piece no, based I around know. that. Yeah. Whereas what we're interested in is Natasha negotiating her past her f and her future, right? And the rest is sort of, like, it's big because it has to be big because it's a Marvel movie. It's not big because those, like, we could have had a very intimate thing between, and we kind of do, but then yeah. it's at, at, right after the end of it, it's a giant set piece. I was going to say, you have the moment with Drakov yeah. and Drakov's daughter, Taskmaster, and Natasha. <laughs> like, that's an intimate, powerful, for this kind of thing moment. And then afterward, it's all a bunch of shit flying down from the sky. Like... In the inverse of this, and why I like this movie, and why I liked this ending, uh, despite the fact that I think a lot of people uh, made fun of it, was the the first Sam Mendes Bond film, which um, Skyfall. Casino Royale. No. Skyfall. No, no, that's Skyfall. the Roger Donaldson one. Yeah, sorry. Um, Skyfall. It's 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 final sort of you know like sit piece is re it, it's it's in the house that Bond grew up in. Yep. And it's and it's essentially home alone. And yes. and what's great about that is it's not a huge world stakes kind of thing, but it's really just about these characters, you know, like and it still gets to do its sort of fun sit pieces and, you know, be home alone. Yeah. But it's really it's it tells you where to focus on because it's really about these characters. I'll even I'll even say this. This is a hyper minor Loki spoiler. This doesn't say anything about what's happening. Right. But something that the Loki episode six does very, very well. And you can tell like, oh, this is a story that cares about what's going on is about two thirds of the final 45 minute episode are three people around a desk. Right. Yeah. And and it's like shit like yeah. there's there's something about being able to do that the, the sky end of skyfall that sort of thing i kind of wish uh, you know that's the thing 
I don't need the Black Widow falling from the sky bit. Like it does yeah. kind of just be like, yeah, whatever. Here's yeah. I, I do want to say this because we are uh, the the two things I did not like. Yeah. Uh, I thought Drakov was super, super dark and creepy and, and great as a villain until his, like, end line. Like, if they just, like, that, that line of, like, so I used the only renewable resource, girls. And I was like, okay, all right, we get it. You're fucking evil. And then the second thing, and maybe you can clear this up for me. I have no idea. Black Widow lands, decides not to kill Taskmaster, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then General Ross shows up. How does she get away? What uh, happens there? There's no there's literally nothing there. Like she yeah. stands there waiting for them. They've been chasing her the entire movie. But not really. No explanation. Like, not I mean like we the, the general the threat of General Ross tracking her down feels like it, it was uh, it was an opening gambit. And then, you know, like a little idea at the end. I know, but like, why not? Like, literally, you could just have her run away. Like, I don't know. It just felt like a weird miss or like that maybe there was a plot point they had to cut out or something. Like, I think what we're really getting at here is story design, mm. which is how is the, how is the story designed to both be thrilling in the way that these movies need to be, which I think this movie does but be connected to its central conceit of this manufactured family and, and, and what that means and what this means for Natasha's past and future. And I think the problem is, is that the story design is pulling in sort of two different directions. Yeah, which it's is not it's not built to mesh, but yeah. they're both well, well, one of them is far more interesting than the other, but yeah. they both work depending on what you like. But I, but they're not clean. But, well, well I'd say clean. they're not coherent, like together. They're right? not symbiotic. Yeah, they're not symbiotic together, and that to me makes the experience kind of akin to what Martin Scorsese said about Marvel movies, which is like it's like going on a roller coaster. You know, like if you can enjoy the thrills, great. If you if you're here for something else, you may not get it. This felt like a roller coaster, but like some some extra, you know, five D shit in it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I really like the Harry Potter um, roller coasters. <laughs> yeah, they're fun. Yeah, they're fun. Um, yeah. Anything else on Black Widow before we before we wrap it up? Um, not a hell of a lot. I think this is. I, I think I think we are an interesting transition point, and it sounds. Although I haven't watched, um, uh, WandaVision, Falcon and the Sol uh, Winter Soldier, and um, Loki, it feels like to me the more interesting things are happening there. And what the, you sort of said that this film felt like a palate cleanser for those. Mm -hmm. I felt that this film felt regressive compared to what I hear is happening in those in those spectrums. I, I really like the MCU because it's a continual story that can can use different, not even media. Well, I guess mediums, but like different styles of stories to, to have me see characters that I like. Right. And uh, it's it, Loki got heavy and weird and heady and I like it. But now I get to watch a spy movie, like, and and I think that's that's sort of the 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 nicety for me. And I could I can I can a hundred percent see if you have not been ingrained in the in the television side of things because things have gotten wonka doodle over there. Yeah. Um, that that this would feel like oh yeah I mean I guess it's kind of just like a couple other things like and 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 that's not to say it isn't. I just in the in the chronology of my viewing habits of the MCU. This felt different enough, even though it's a lot of the same. 
if that makes sense. Um, and I, but again, that's fine. That's what I want from this right now. Like I, I, I don't know. I, and 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 I got little hints around it, of of moments of of specialness. The stuff with the family, the taskmaster interaction, um, small moments of Natasha's past, and then humor tied into it. The, the I. I, I literally laughed out loud for far too long at the joke of Yelena giving her shit for landing, like, doing the superhero landings. Like, yeah. that's, again, is it the pinnacle of comedy? No. Is it is it in my wheelhouse and did it hit me at the right moment and is Florence Pugh's delivery great? Yes. Like, and that's, that's all I need. That's all I need from this movie. It delivered. I'm so excited it finally came out. I will be buying it on Blu-ray. Um, yeah. Is there a Marvel movie you wouldn't buy on Blu-ray? There's not, is there? I mean, if, there was a, if it was bad enough, it would have to be really bad for you to break the connection it would at this point. Have to be worse than the Edward Norton Hulk, I which I think that. is the low point for but you the own MCU. That. I do own that, so it would have to be worse than that. <laughs> right. So uh, anyway, this uh, has been yeah. the only podcast about the film Black Widow. Shahir, when you are not. Trying to recapture the magic of your false childhood. Where can folks find you? Uh, you can find me manufacturing my experiences uh, a la um, uh, Tarkovsky Solaris uh, at my <laughs> website at www.shahirdaud.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Matt, when you are uh, jumping down the super fun happy slide, where can people find you? Oh, you can find me just kicking off, doing flips, knocking things over while we hit that point break, terminal velocity, whatever other action 80s movie we want to do about people falling over at my website, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram or Emperor MSK on Twitter. Uh, please check out the good works we're doing over at Extra Credits. We just released... One of my favorite episodes in a while of the EC side of things. We have a discussion episode about what genre wrestling games are. <laughs> and it's, it's apt in this conversation because, as I said to Shahir right before we started, he's got a real Razor Ramon vibe going right now. <laughs> and that is a compliment. Yeah. I, um, that's a great question. What what genre is – because they beat him up, I guess – but they're also soap opera. Well, they're also story driven, like the WWE. Yeah, yeah that'd be interesting. It's, it's uh, a very fun. It's a, we we did it basically because we were having a meeting with a writer, and then we just started talking about wrestling games, and then we just got into an argument, and then we're like, "Oh yeah, this is an episode." <laughs> so that was very very organic and fun. Well, um, so that leads us to our two questions that, end, that usually end out every episode. Recently, Matt, what is the video game tie-in for Black Widow? Is it a wrestling game? <laughs> uh, no, it would probably be Strider or Bayonetta. I mean, Bayonetta, she does do a lot of <laughs> run jump. Ah, no, but Bayonetta's too different. Um, Middle Gear Solid. Uh, you know, weirdly enough, <laughs> it might be one of the newer Tomb Raiders or Lost Legacy from Uncharted. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. That's an odd question. I don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, let's go Lost Legacy. That's that's that. I'll, that'll be my final answer for now. All right. The movie tie-in that I wanted to uh, show on this week was because this was meant to be a spy movie, which I didn't, you know, which I was sort of mixed on. Uh, but the one of the greatest spy movies that came out in the last uh, twenty years was the Lives of Others, Florian Henkel van Donnersmarck's movie about the uh, East and West Berlin um, uh, divide, as told through the story of a Stasi spy mm. who has to spy on uh, people on the other side. Oh, Terrific. I want to change my answer. Yeah. Perfect Dark. 
Perfect Dark. Old N64 game that came out yeah. on the Bond engine. Yeah. Where they lost the license to Bond. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was good. It okay. was good. The sequel, not so much. Maybe Goldeneye. What about Goldeneye? Sure, but like, <laughs> I think Perfect Dark fits, fits a little bit better. All right. Anyway, uh, we'll be at you next week. Uh, we'll be talking about a movie. Yeah, I've, we've got some exciting ones coming up with a couple of guests that are really exciting as well. I think one of my favorite movies of the year uh, will be in uh, the next, in the upcoming weeks. I won't say which one. Ooh, <laughs> I bet you it's Space Jam New Legacy or it whatever is, it's called. All right, you got me. It is Space Jam New Legacy. I'm all about the IP and I want to see the Clockwork Orange kids in uh, Space Jam. Yep, I, I am all in question mark. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll talk at you next week. Until then, hey... Enjoy some movies however you want to. Yeah, on your iPhone. On your iPhone. Uh, uh, On your Apple Watch. On your uh, your Start playing Doom on calculators. Yeah, Um, on your Game Boy. On your Game Boy Advanced. On your Virtual Boy. (laughs) Hey, email us in. OnlyMoviePodcast, gmail.com. We're lonely. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.